Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Claire Murphy. This is The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. It's getting pretty warm already for partway through spring. The mercury actually started rising much earlier than usual this year, with the Weather Bureau informing us that there is a very hot, very dry summer ahead, with an El Nino and Indian Ocean dipole now declared for the 2023-24 season. And while we prepare for bushfires and get our action plans in place, we also need to prepare for what critters enjoy this hot and dry climate. Critters that are now waking up and getting ready to feed and mate. Today, we speak to a snake catcher about how this season is shaping up and what we need to look out for as our slithery friends start to warm up under the hot Aussie sun. But first, news headlines for Tuesday, October 17. Hot and windy conditions yesterday have put a strain on firefighters across the country. New South Wales is currently monitoring 99 fire grounds, with the blaze at Kempsey now downgraded to a watch and act after burning through nearly 10,000 hectares late yesterday. A southerly change making conditions difficult as the winds shifted, putting nearby residences at risk. In Queensland, crews are monitoring more than 20 fires, with residents at Wootle and East Cooyah told it's not safe to return. And in WA, there are 15 fires currently burning, with the threat level for a bushfire burning at Yelling Up in WA's southwest now downgraded. While the Indigenous voice to Parliament may have failed at a national level, it may succeed in the states. In South Australia, where a local voice was legislated by state Parliament back in March but delayed to allow room for the referendum, Premier Peter Malinowskis has said they'll move forward with elections for representatives for the state-based voice in mid-March. In New South Wales, and Premier Chris Minns has also said they'll consider a state-based voice, saying his government will move forward with a treaty consultation process, which may also include a voice to Parliament but that he will leave the final decision up to New South Wales voters. Diplomatic efforts to arrange a ceasefire to allow aid to reach the besieged Gaza Strip have failed, while Israel has ordered the evacuation of villages on the border with Lebanon over fears the war could spread to a second front. Israel has vowed to completely annihilate Hamas after they staged an attack killing more than 1,300 Israelis, mostly civilians, in the deadliest day in Israel's 75-year history. In retaliation, Gaza, which is home to 2.3 million Palestinians, has been placed under a total blockade and pounded with unprecedented airstrikes that is thought to have killed at least 2,750 people, with a ground assault also expected to get underway any day as power, water and food supplies run out. Israel has now ordered the evacuation of villages in a two-kilometre zone near the Lebanese border after Hezbollah said it had targeted five Israeli positions. In retaliation, Israel fired shells at the outskirts of a village in southern Lebanon. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying not to make the same mistake they once did because the price they will pay will now be much heavier. 
A judge has banned Donald Trump from targeting US prosecutors, court staff and any potential witnesses involved in a criminal case accusing him of trying to overturn the result of the 2020 election. The federal judge, Tanya Chutkin, says she will not allow Trump, who has pleaded not guilty, to launch a pre-trial smear campaign against those involved in the case, saying no other criminal defendant would be allowed to do so, so she'll not be allowing it in this instance. The order bars Trump and any lawyers attached to the case from personally targeting special counsel Jack Smith or the prosecutors working with him and any court staff on social media or from discussing potential witnesses and their testimony. After 128 years, cricket will return as an Olympic sport in 2028. Five sports were confirmed as new entries for the 2028 Games in Los Angeles, including cricket, flag football, softball, baseball, lacrosse and squash. Australia has never had the opportunity to play cricket at the Olympic level. The last time it appeared at the Games was in 1900, where only Britain and France competed. It's believed the competition at the Olympic level will be based on the 2020 format, with qualifying coming from the ICC's T20 rankings. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. During the whole of September, Australia averaged just 4.8 millimetres of rain. That's the lowest rainfall on record and one of the lowest monthly totals in general since records began back in 1900. But while the rainfall was low, the temperatures were not, with Australia as a whole 2.43 degrees above average, making it the third highest on record behind 2005 and 2013. And when the weather starts to warm up, cold-blooded creatures that have been just surviving the colder months decide to make a return. In the colder weather, insects, for example, will find somewhere warmer to move to, find shelter somewhere like burrowing underground, or will set up somewhere in our homes or inside hollow trees to wait it out. They might go dormant or even die off. But when those temperature gauges begin to climb, those little cold bodies who've been hibernating as an adult or as a larvae, nymph, pupae or egg begin to emerge. At the start of the year, after three consecutive El Nino weather events, all that rain brought out a massive amount of dragonflies, damselflies, mosquitoes and butterflies. But cast your mind back to the start of 2021, and it was a mouse plague that had taken over vast areas of rural and regional New South Wales, Queensland and South Australia. The hot, dry conditions, allowing mice to breed relatively unchecked. So what can we expect for summer 2023 and into 2024? What critters will be exploding as we try to coexist alongside them? One thing we're already starting to see a lot of is snakes coaxed out of their winter slumbers by this early warmth. Dan Rumsey is the general manager of Sunshine Coast Snake Catchers 24-7. Dan, we're hearing it's been an earlier start to the snake season this year, seeing as temps have started to climb quite quickly already. Has that been your experience up in Brisbane? The weather was quite conducive for snake activity, probably a little bit earlier than normal, dry and warm. So towards the end of winter, we started to see an increase of snake activity almost immediately. So it got pretty warm fairly quickly, to be fair. How's this compared to the last few seasons? Because we've been in an El Nino weather pattern for a while, which has been very, very wet. Has it made a difference to the start of snake season this year, having it be a bit drier? 
Yeah, because there's been less cloudy, rainy days, we've certainly seen a lot more snakes out on the move in comparison to last year and potentially the year before as well. But also too, sometimes when you do get rainy afternoons, that can be like gold for snakes. So we haven't really seen that yet. And I'm not sure if we're going to because it looks like it's going to be such a dry summer. But really, we've been getting multiple calls all day ever since the end of winter. Why is a rainy afternoon good for snakes? Well, sometimes you get an afternoon shower and when the clouds are kind of dissipate and then you get the sun comes back out, you get this increased level of humidity. And those nights, like they're the nights we go out looking for snakes. So a lot of us that are into snakes, not just for work, we spend a lot of our time looking for snakes at night. I know it sounds very weird, but that's just kind of how we (laughs) kill our time. And yeah, those nights, they're the nights that I like to get moving. If there's a bit of humidity in the air, it's been a really warm day, an afternoon shower, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be a good night tonight. Dan, I don't want to question your life choices, but that seems like an odd thing to want to do. Why are you out looking for snakes when you find snakes all day long? It's just an interest, I guess. And I share it with a lot of my friends and a lot of people that have interest in reptiles, like seeing them in the wild is like the ultimate goal. People call it herping. It's got a terrible name. It's called herping and it's like our version of fishing, but obviously you're not catching anything. You're just going out and seeing it and photographing it. So yeah, it's a bit nerdy, but it's very, very enjoyable, especially if you find stuff that you're really interested in. And I've travelled literally all through Asia, the States, all around Australia just looking for reptiles. So, yeah, nerdy but fun. (laughs) What snakes are we seeing the most of at this time of year? And does that differ depending on where you are in Australia? Oh, definitely. Climate and habitat preferences obviously can change so much. The country is just so diverse in different types of habitat, but also even climate. If you look at the tropical north versus down south, where it's much more of a dry heat in comparison to somewhere up in Cairns, where the humidity is extremely high. So for us on the Sunshine Coast, it's even changed a little bit over the last few weeks. So originally, we're seeing a lot of carpet pythons and brown tree snakes and stuff like that. Now, just a switch has flicked and there was just brown snakes. So we're seeing lots of brown snakes. We're getting brown snake calls almost every day now. In your travels, picking up snakes out of people's premises, are you seeing an increase in other critters around? The last time it was this dry, we had a mouse plague. But do you see that happening as well around the place, like an increase in rodents or spiders or cockroaches or centipedes? Are there things that you're seeing more of in your travels as you're taking these snakes away? Not necessarily, or probably pretty similar numbers to normal, but certainly in terms of reptile activity, it just seems to be really, really busy. A little bit of rain might also bring out a lot of the things like amphibians and stuff like that, so our frogs and that. But because it is so dry, and I do remember the mouse plague that we had a few years ago, but I certainly haven't noticed anything like that when I've been touring around different houses, but certainly a lot of snake activity and lizard activity as well. So sometimes people will mistake and call us out thinking they've seen a snake and it's actually like a blue tongue. Like I literally had that the other day where a lady thought a snake was poking its head out from under the fridge and I got there and it was just her backyard blue tongue. So I was just like, all right, we'll put this back in the garden. (laughs) Can you talk to us about how to handle ourselves in a situation where there's a snake, particularly when they get in our house, because it's so easy to lose track of them when they do get inside. What should we do if we spot one? Do we really need to keep an eagle eye on it until someone arrives? Do we shut the door and walk away? Like what's best practice when a snake is in our house? 
obviously keep a safe distance. Snakes, when you do back away and you give them plenty of space, their behaviour completely change. When you get really close to them, that's when they will start to thinking about either fleeing or if they need to, they might start showing off a little bit of defensive posturing, which is kind of like a blue tongue flapping its tongue saying to you back away, but it's no different to a brown snake rearing up in the S position. It's kind of saying, hey, can I get you to back off? So just make sure you give the animal plenty of space. If it goes into a room, if you can isolate it in that room, that's actually really good. So shut the door, put a towel at the bottom. And we have lots of people that have done that and it just makes it a lot easier for us because, you know, sometimes we'll turn up to a job and they'll say, oh, I went there somewhere a couple of hours ago and you're like, well, geez, I'm going to be searching this house all day. So if it's in a room and you can isolate it, that's actually really, really good. But outside of that, try and keep an eye on it from an appropriate distance, so a few metres away, and then that gives us the best chance to find it and relocate it when we do come across the snake. We're being told that climate change will likely make snake season earlier and last longer. So we're just going to have to get used to reptiles turning up in our backyards more often. Dan is a snake enthusiast. He loves these creatures, even if they do instill fear into the hearts of most of us. But he says sometimes the behaviour of humans who are sharing space with them is much worse than what any snake has ever done to them. I've been on the phone to people and I'm talking them through what's going on. And then obviously, you know, in that phone call, you have people say, oh, don't worry, I just killed it. And you're like, because they are native. And what I try to say to people is like, you wouldn't run around your backyard if you had a koala walking around your backyard with a shovel trying to chop it into pieces. Like you would never do that. But then people seem to think that it's okay to do that to snakes. And I understand that a koala is not potentially dangerous to a human, like something like a brown snake would be. But if you just give them plenty of space and plenty of distance, they're not going to hurt you. At the end of the day, there's only a couple of snake species on the planet that are able to eat humans and they're not found in Australia. So like green anaconda, which is South America or reticulated python, which is from Asia and maybe a Burmese python, which is also from Asia. You don't have those type of snakes here in Australia. So none of them are naturally man-eaters. So they're certainly not out to get us. But yeah, I have had people kill snakes literally on the phone. I'm talking them through, hey, it's all good. Like, don't worry. And then it happens. And it's pretty hard to hear for someone that really really passionate about snakes but when i was a kid like i've loved snakes since i was six years old and that's when i got my first pet snake so it's been a long time and when i was a kid like you used to hear it every day like the only good snakes are dead snake and people just say the same thing over and over again whereas i think that attitude has changed quite a bit over the last almost 30 years which is really really good like a lot of people now go no i get it it is they're just sharing their home with ours and if we can have them relocated great if not it's all good like we're happy but there is still a i guess a percentage of the population that have that fear based thing about snakes instilled in them and i guess what i try and remind everyone in australia is that your chances of being killed by a snake is incredibly small one to two deaths per year like it's a very very small number if you compare it to something like road accidents as one example you know there's 26 something million people in australia two people die like the odds are on your side not to be killed by a snake throughout your lifetime and that's because we have really good hospitals we all know how to treat from a first aid perspective for snake bite but also too we have access to free and very efficient and effective anti-venom so you know, it's a really, really good thing that we have in Australia. And I actually think we could get that snake bite account death down to zero, to be fair, if we really push the educational side of things. So it's not a major medical issue like it is in other parts of the world. So just remember that. And just if you see a snake and it is in your home or in your backyard and you have young children or pets, you just bring them inside. So if the snake's inside, just isolate the snake and call a snake catcher out. If it's in the backyard, you can do the same thing or, or just wait for the snake to pass on by because there's a very good chance it will do that. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tegan Sadler. 
And make sure you're following us on Instagram to hear more from Dan, including a story about his most incredible and ginormous snake find and how it landed him in hot water with the cops. Me and my mate are stuck in this car. We've got a four and a bit metre giant Burmese python. We have no bag, no bin, nothing to put it in. We just sat in the back seat with it. We had a three and a half hour drive. <laughs> anyway, what's the worst thing that can happen when you're doing something stupid like that, when you're driving along and you've got a giant snake in the back seat, is you see red and blue lights in your rear view mirror. 